Welcome to the College Scoops Podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough, and today we're talking with Anjali Mazel about talent development and how you too can align your talents with a growth mindset and purpose. My mission is, is to guide families to choose the kind of education that not only enhances well-being, but also opens doors for more options in college admissions and careers and internships. This is the College Scoops Podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops on everything college-related, and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members, free eBooks, and even a College Scoops care package. A former Princeton University interviewer, TED Talk speaker, and mother of a thriving grad student, Anjali draws on her international background in teaching, writing, PR, and the arts to help students maximize their chances of admission and scholarships to college and graduate schools through her test prep and college advising practice. Her mission is to give students the skills to shape their talents and passions into a rewarding and successful life of purpose through her proprietary talent development process. As a result, she helps transform stress into excitement and the college admissions experience becomes a journey of self-discovery. Welcome to the College Scoops podcast, Angela. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Maura. I'm really thrilled. So I love seeing a smiling face. <laughs> same. It's my sunshine for the day. <laughs> well, I feel the same way, uh, especially in these times. So thank you for, for, for shining that smile back at me. <laughs> I've enjoyed watching your TED Talks and listening to your discussion and how you're trying to reframe the college application process to talk more about looking at designing a life purpose. Just what do you want to do with your life and and looking at it more just than the application and getting in because we're shortchanging ourselves that way. So that's how we kind of connected. And would you just share a little bit about yourself? You have such an interesting background. Oh my gosh, through your travel, through your family. So just enlighten us a little bit. What I've been um, talking about for college admissions is really the fruit of my life's experience. So, um, you know, I have a background. I was an interviewer for Princeton for many years. Um, I have a background as a writer, as a teacher. I did travel a lot and I lived uh, in Europe, uh, in France and Italy uh, for uh, over 15 years. And um, all of that, um, it, that experience really informs, 
you know, the way that I go about advising families. I created a uh, college prep and tutoring company um, focusing on college admissions. And um, I'm also the very proud mom of a thriving 22 year old who's in grad school. Uh, and um, again, that journey also as a mom, you know, really has informed a lot of what I do. And I really feel that for me, uh, my mission is, is to guide families to choose the kind of education that not only enhances well-being, but also opens doors for uh, more options in college admissions and careers and internships. Uh, I really believe that as counselors and parents and students, we need to reframe the college admissions process constructively because it can either be an exhausting ordeal that does not deliver on its promises long term or an empowering journey of self-discovery. So that's really what I'm what uh, I'm all about and uh, what I try to do with the families that I work with. Well, I don't think many people would would say that they've had the experience of an empowering journey. Usually it's exhausting, stressful, uncertain. You've been there and done that as, as I have. And I think that's where you kind of learn a lot from your own personal experience going through it. How did that go with your son? Because you said you have, a, he's in grad school now. So congratulations. Yeah, well, my journey with my son uh, was a real a growth experience for me. I, you know, even though I'm in this field, I actually did hire a colleague to work with him because I knew that the conversation was going to be uh, much more productive uh, if he was working with a professional. And I'm very glad I did that. And one of the things that came out of that um, was I was very happy that she was aligned with me with the idea that fit is everything. So luckily, that was the attitude I had when he was growing up. I really tried to find educational system that would help him blossom as a person, as a student. Um, some of those choices were difficult because it didn't always look like the cookie cutter. And I myself come from a very um, kind of traditional, rigorous academic background. I went to a French school in New York, um, took the BAC, went to Princeton, uh, and had kind of a, a, an extremely, uh, I would say, yes, traditional uh, path. But I realized that this might not be the right thing for him. So I had to explore some other options. Uh, he had skipped a grade very early on and was not really getting the kind of um, intellectual you know, stimulation that he needed. So those choices all along the way were really important. And then for college, it continued. Um, this colleague uh, worked with us and he ended up at Carleton, which was a fantastic fit for him. You know, he turned down an Ivy League school to go there because he really felt that this was going to be the right place for him. It turned out to be that way. So, uh, and then, you know, and, and now he's kind of built on that. And so my, my observation of him, but then also working with students has been that if we really pay attention to who they are, if we really 
uh, listen, if we really also allow ourselves to step out of possibly preconceived notions we might have about who our kids are. Sometimes the answers are surprising and I feel that it opens a path to uh, really, you know, when, when you do have the option of choosing an educational system uh, that corresponds to the, the, you know, that will help that student to thrive, then that's ideal. I realize that not all families have that choice. Um, however, uh, with some of the families I work with, I really help them make those decisions early on, you know, in middle school. What kind of high school is really going to um, help that student to become, um, you know, fully step into their into their power, discover their strengths, be, have the time, you know, and the space to be able to do um, fascinating things um, outside of school in the summers, all of that. So uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a whole, right? It's not uh, it's not just kind of. I don't think that we can take education and just kind of plug it in. You know, we have to con we have to consider the whole child to really do them justice. I used to say, where's the playbook? Like, where's the cliff note version of parenting and how you get through education? But I know you mentioned that you had lived overseas and moving back with your son and at a certain age, we also lived overseas. And I remember coming back and it's hard. Kids handle it too, the stress differently. And I think as parents, sometimes, uh, as you said, we have to, it's not a reflection of us and our success. We have to look at it as our children will be successful where they fit, where they find their fit. That fit in college, you know, prepared him to be successful afterwards. So this is what I try to also tell parents is that we're looking at long-term success. We want, it's because if we focus on the brand name school, if we focus on the short-term gain, uh, we're, we're not, you know, helping them 5, 10, 15 years down the line to really feel that the choices they made were, uh, were right for them. And uh, that really those choices then help them to accomplish the goals. For instance, I, I went to a small, smaller university and then I went to a business degree at a large university. If I hadn't had that foundation, that small, intimate classroom access to professors to build that confidence and that groundwork for the next stage, I would not have succeeded if I had gone to a larger school. I just would not have had that type of learning experience that would have set me up, as you said, for success down the line. That's right. Exactly. When you talk about the three Ds, talk to us a little bit about that because it is, I, I listened to a TED talk by uh, Bill Gates. And I loved one statement that he had. He said, as adults, we forget to learn. We forget to be curious. Like we think that we've, we've learned it all. Like we're done. We don't have to learn anymore. So um, the way I look at student talent is that it is something that can open doors both for personal growth and for the things that all parents want, which is, you know, uh, open doors for college admissions and scholarships and uh, a financially viable career. Often those talents are not recognized or they are pushed in a way that is not um, really 
ideal for that for that student. So in my practice, I've come up with a process called the three D's of talent development. And uh, we start out with discovering the talent. And that involves, um, and that can be, you know, discovering, of course, as you said, is lifelong. It's not um, confined to certain grade levels or ages. But in the process that I do with the families I work with, um, often discovering that talent is kind of in middle school and possibly ninth grade. And to really explore the world in different ways. Now, even now, when we're limited by not being able to move around, uh, you know, there are amazing ways to allow students to explore from, you know, sharing a virtual visit to museums, or there are even online volunteering opportunities for younger students. And all of these experiences and, and reading, all of these experiences um, give kind of the feedback to the student and to the parent about what direction they might want to take this in. So that, that's the first D is discovering. The second D is developing the talent. So that is building a skill level to be able to experience this, uh, what's called in psychology, the joy of mastery. So the idea is to really um, help the student to find intrinsic motivation, because a lot of what goes on with college admissions uh, or ha can go on is about ticking boxes, right? We think, um, well, what, did, what do the colleges want? And now we're going to have our kids do those things. Um, if we kind of shift the perspective slightly and think, um, let me introduce my uh, child to a variety of different things and let's see what really takes and then let's show them the joy of developing a high level of skill in one or two of these areas. But what happens as a result of that process is that you get to the third D which is demonstrating that talent. So after you've reached a certain high level of skill and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be in the arts. It could be um, some students love being involved with the community in some way, community leadership. Other students are very, um, you know, have a lot of responsibility in the family. Um, there are many different kinds of talents. It doesn't have to be what we, you know, traditionally consider a, a uh, you know, performing or visual arts talent. Um, by developing these at the point of application with to colleges which is you know summer and summer between junior and senior year and beginning of senior year that high level of skill has been developed but not in a way that has pushed and forced it's more about helping the student to do it in a um, in an in an organic and a highly enjoyable way which, you know, we all know that to achieve a high level of skill, if we, you know, those of us who play instrument, we know there is drudgery involved, right? There is some repetition. But when the student is encouraged um, to focus on purpose, this is where kind of purpose fits in to the three Ds. When we help them by asking certain key questions and helping them to understand themselves more, uh, how this fits into a vision they have for their lives. 
then it becomes, you know, then the drudgery has a, has a greater goal. And there's, there's, there can be, you know, it can help get over that hump is what I'm trying to say. So I can get back to that later, how I incorporate, you know, the idea of purpose and all of that into this process. But just to finish the three Ds, um, so then demonstrating is showcasing. So then at that point, you know, it's time to create that portfolio or write that essay that really reflects um, the process and the growth of that development or, you know, shoot the video, whatever it is that uh, showcases the accomplishment, you know, and, and um, when all of this is complete, you know, it's really time to celebrate. So that's not a fourth D, but it's a one, it's, it's the C that comes out of after the three Ds. I was a swimmer. And when I swam in high school, swimming is very defined based on the clock. I remember I worked so hard, like you talk about music also. You're sitting there, you're practicing, and you're trying to develop that skill. And for whatever reason, no matter how much I practice, I was hitting that wall. And it's amazing because it wasn't until after, like in my 20s, that all of a sudden I went about it with a different attitude, with a different mindset. And oh my gosh, I wish I had been back in high school because it was so easy. I like took all the judgment away. I set a purpose, as you said, and suddenly I was meeting my times, my goals that I set, which I thought I had been so purposeful when I was younger. So I, I just relate it to you to when you were saying, you know, sometimes developing that talent, it's not going to be easy. You have to fail at some point. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's where growth mindset really comes in, is that if we can frame this development, if we can frame all of this within the context of growth, mm-hmm. um, where setbacks are opportunities to, um, to, 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 these are, this information about ourselves. Um, and if we can prioritize, you know, helping our kids become resilient, uh, learning to deal with these failures in a way that nourishes them instead of, you know, that depletes them. If we can move away from the fixed mindset, which is all about judgment, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the fixed mindset basically asks, you know, what does this setback say about me? But the growth mindset says, what says, what does this uh, setback, what do, what can I learn from the setback? That's the difference. Huge difference. Right? I mean, it's a game changer. I was shocked when I read some research. Uh, I was amazed to see how using that languaging with, with young people can be so effective. It's more effective, actually. It, it doesn't matter whether you're modeling it. That was what was shocking to me. Because as parents, you know, we've been conditioned. Sometimes, you know, we can't model everything perfectly all the time. But if we use that languaging, with our kids, it can be a huge, it can turn everything around. Absolutely. It's interesting because it's so simple, yet it's not done. Exactly. I mean, we're, you know, depending on what kind of educational system we were in, we're either, we're either encouraging ourselves when we fail or we're denigrating, 
you know, so, so, but the good news is that even if we've been through that, we can still parent in a way that um, empowers the student. When I grew up, we failed all the time. <laughs> and our parents were like, get over it. Go outside and run around and come back at dinner time. We, they didn't blink. I don't know. I find our generation, we're trying to make up for that or help our kids through it. And I, again, equate this to living overseas. We lived in France as well when we were younger. And I, I'll never forget this. My oldest was three years, three years old on a playground. And he was getting pummeled, pummeled by these French younger children. And I wanted to jump right in. But that no one was doing that. And it's their Darwinian theory, like the survival of the fittest. <laughs> Actually, he does. And at one point after like a month, and I remember going into a teacher and saying, he is getting pummeled. And finally, I, I called my parents and my parents said, tell him to stand up for himself. <laughs> tell him to take a good shot and run as fast as his legs will carry him out of that park. And I remember I turned around one day at dinner. And I'm like, now, Mark, when that boy comes up again, I want you to take your best shot and then run for the hills. <laughs> <laughs> Said, where did this come from? And I'm like, at some point you have to give them the, the confidence, you know, to stand up for yourself. And obviously yeah. use your words, not your hands, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that you're almost, it's almost like going back Yes, there, there are definitely some elements. There are definitely some elements of that. Um, I think there's a very well-known book called The Wisdom of the Skin Knee, which is uh, a title that I really love. There are gifts. I think that that is the, um, the paradox in there, is that, you know, we want, we, sometimes we try to avoid suffering for our kids at all costs, but that suffering uh, can be life-changing in a very positive way, right? If we don't learn how to interpret and take, interpret that feedback and then take care of ourselves um, as, we're, as we're, you know, young people, then what happens later in life, right? Absolutely. We've stripped them of the confidence that they had when, yeah. if we had just maybe not said anything or given them some time to work it through themselves, they would have done very well and, and learned from that, as you said. Absolutely. So that allowing them to take ownership, it's interesting because that's one of the thing, one of some of the language that I have in my contract with, with uh, my agreement with parents that I work with is, you know, we all agree to do certain things in this process and giving the students ownership of the process as much as possible, I think is so very important because then when they receive those acceptances, um, uh, they, they know it's, they're the ones who, you know, they did this work and it's uh, extremely empowering for them. Absolutely. When you bring them in to talk about the bigger picture, like defining a life purpose, how does that go? It's not about asking teenagers to define their life purpose, you know, because that for 90% of the students, it, it just, it's way too early. The point is to start a conversation, is to start the reflection process, it's to plant a seed that will then germinate when they're ready. Um, the idea is, and I do a variety of things um, in order to help students come to this. 
Uh, I ask them questions when we're talking. I also have self-reflection exercises that I ask them to do. A lot of it is about envisioning their, their ideal life. Because the idea is to show them that the choices that they make, this is another way to make that talent development really organic. The choices they make, it's their life, you know? And I think as teenagers, um, there's a lot of push and pull when we, we were teenagers also, you know, there's always push and pull with parents. I mean, I experienced this as a parent, but I remember feeling that way also as a teenager. Um, but anything that, that I believe, anything we can help them do to see that uh, they have, they ultimately will have that decision-making power and that some of the choices they make, they can start to begin seeing how can I align my choices for volunteering, my choices for extracurriculars, my summer choices, my then later my choices for college, my major, my career. How can I align that with what is most important to me? So one of the things I have them do is because I believe it's very important to ask students not what do you want to be when you grow up, but what kinds of problems that you see around do you want to participate in helping to solve? So I help them to read, I, I, I send them the uh, sustainable development goals that the UN put out for 2030 okay. and ask them to think, you know, these are some of the problems our, our world is facing. Um, I also ask them to look around, you know, in their own community. Uh, what kinds of things would I like to be involved in helping address? Now, for example, even for artists, that can be an important thing because, you know, even during our current situation that we find ourselves in with COVID, we see how important the arts are. If we don't have that nourishment, the world, you know, we, we, we can't go on because we need inspiration, right? We need uh, artistic, we need beauty, we need that nourishment. So um, even they, you know, have an incredible role to play in the world. It doesn't have to all be about, you know, finding the cure to the, you know, to the next thing or resolving global warming, you know, and then we talk about those sustainable development goals and which ones speak to them. And then slowly over the time that I work with them, sometimes I work, start working with students in middle school all the way through um, the college admissions process. Sometimes I, I start working with students in 12th grade, wherever they're at in that process. I try to plant the seed. Um, it's not about putting too much pressure or responsibility on them. This is, there's been a debate about, you know, what the, what's the point of talking about purpose with teenagers? I, I think it's important because think about the books they're reading in school. A lot of them are very philosophical. Mm -hmm. So they are already thinking about these, some of these concepts, right? Um, so yeah, so then after doing these self-reflection exercises and discussing, try to start bringing that into our talks. So then, you know, if they forget, then I'll bring it back into the conversation, whatever they told me. Just opening that door, I find can, um, relieve some of the stress because you know when it when it's again it's not about getting in it's not about checking boxes off it's about learning to 
design a life of purpose that has, you know, where you feel that you're living aligned with what you believe is important, with, um, with what you love, with what you care about. Uh, you know, th these are the kinds I, I want to hear from students, you know, five, ten years from now that I've worked with and have them tell me, you know, either, yes, you know, that was the right major for me and, you know, I sailed through or, you know, it wasn't the right major, but I was already thinking about those things. And, you know, this way they don't have to end up at 45 or 50 and go, oh, oh what happened here? The conversation must be so interesting because I think one of the problems that I see now is so focused on the grades that you forget about the learning. Challenge yourself. What's the point of just taking the courses, just the easy courses to get a slam dunk and raise that GPA when that teacher maybe who's teaching, my daughter took an Israeli conflict class that she said he just sat there and that 500 people mesmerized just listening to his conversation. A book can't do that justice. Absolutely. You get so much more out of that. So that um, I, I, I completely um, support what you're saying. Um, if we help students make choices really based on their own personal development, what I have seen is that down the line, because as you know, uh, character plays a very important role in college admissions so and and with covid and all the you know lack of testing these elements are even more important we think we're not being strategic by allowing them to do things like that but ultimately it's the best strategy because in the end you know those are the essays that shine because you know the experience is coming from, really coming from the students. Um, it's, it's authentic. I would also say that's the, from the college's point of view, if they listen to that, that student is going to be the one that's going to be engaged in the classroom, who's going to come to life and bring a whole different set of ideas, thoughts, and to a classroom. You know, if, if they're allowed to ask those questions to explore without being penalized or judgment. So I think it's a win-win from both parties. Yes, absolutely. The classroom with students like that is, a, you know, a, uh, an exciting place to be where there's true exchange of ideas. Um, now, having said all of that, I, I, I do acknowledge that there is an issue in college admissions, but it's not about college. It's not, about college admissions per se. I think it goes much deeper into the educational system where, you know, I have worked with students who have told me, you know, uh, in, for example, here in, in Texas, um, we have the uh, automatic admission to UT Austin based on the class rank. Now that's right now it's top 6%. Now there's some students who know that also, depending on their major, they're going to get a very strong education at the school at a price that they can afford. Mm -hmm. There are these factors that are real. You know, we can't deny these factors. So the, the question about college admissions, you know, in this context, I feel goes, goes a lot deeper than this. 
where there is the possibility of thinking outside the box, that's wonderful. Where there isn't, then I feel we still have to support students who are have you know very legitimate reasons for um, needing to have get that GPA. When I'm working with students in those situations, and and by the way, I also uh, work with scholarship students. Um, you know, at least one a year. Uh, and more as I can fit them in who cannot pay my fees. So um, I know some of these issues uh, very, very um, intimately from, from them. When I, when I work with students, um, I really try to meet them where they are. And there's no judgment if they, you know, if they need to take the 10 APs because of the, the boost, the, a, the uh, GPA boost, you know, well, I'm going to help them the best I can, but I, you know, we can still support them in trying to align with their values, with their mission in life, with how are they going to use their gifts to benefit the world, even in a situation like that. It is a healthy approach and uplifting way to celebrate students' strengths, reminding them of their values and ability to make an impact on their communities. You talk about some of the do's and don'ts about approaching the growth mindset. Can you expand upon that for us a little bit? There's something called the false growth mindset, uh, which is we think that if we apply the growth mindset uh, with students, that means we have to keep telling them you can do more. If we keep telling them you can do it, you can do it, become their cheerleader and, and, you know, keep going, you can do more. There's a kind of this idea that it, they may understand that as it's never enough, right? Right. You're raising the bar. Right. That's not at all what this is about. It's, it's also about honoring your own, uh, getting to know your own limitations and honoring them as well. So that's something to, you know, be very, very careful of. In terms of something that can be very positive is when I see families basically associate the success of their parenting and of their student with the name of the college that the student gets into, that's going to be, that's a, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself as a parent, and it's a lot of pressure to put on the student. So, you know, if the college admissions process can be framed in terms of growth, what can I learn from this? What is, what kind of school is going to allow me to thrive and to shine? I continuously talk to students and to my kids about that in terms of the opportunity to interview schools or make sure you talk to as many people as you can at that college or university to ensure that that community will give you what you need to thrive and shine and succeed from all different aspects of college life. So I think you're absolutely right on that front. So then we can focus, instead of focusing on rank, college rank, we focus on fit and we also focus on the, pre see this is why I think it's so important to be, to know this information is we focus on the predictors of long-term success after college. And those predictors, now for first-gen students, there is some advantage to a higher-ranked school. 
that there's no doubt about that. But for students who are not in that situation, the best predictors of uh, success being mentored by faculty in college. So having access to professors and having that guidance and that relationship. And number two is engaging with the college community in a very active way because the sense of belonging has been shown to boost uh, GPA in, in uh, students uh, significantly. So if we're, to, if we're just talking about academic performance, that's super important, right? But then there's also all the other sides of it because at the same time, we are developing those soft skills by engaging with the community and um, developing the soft skills that are going to be uh, very valued by employers. Um, now, the third thing that I add to that, those two things are from the studies. I add a third thing to that, a third aspect, which I have noticed is, is extremely important. Are the students obtaining the skills they're going to need in the work world in our COVID-impacted um, 21st century job market? So the World Economic Forum, came out with a study recently. And uh, you know, there, before that, there was the McKinsey, the most recent McKinsey report of the top 10 skills that are going to be the most valuable you know, as we move toward automation, more and more automation. So uh, before this study, it was kind of the important ones at the top were things like critical thinking skills. And, and creativity. Now, the other ones that have been added are all the growth mindset related ones, things like flexibility, resilience, active learning. As parents, if we know that, that's another reason to reframe college admissions with a growth mindset, because these are the very skills that are going to help our students to succeed in the future, which is basically what we want for them. We need them now. <laughs> we and we need them now. Um, the more things, um, the more the situation is unpredictable. Uh, the more we need to be able to respond in a way that is strengthening to us. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What are some ways and strategies that students can get engaged, given the virtual environment and remote or hybrid scenarios that many students are in right now? What are some recommendations that you have to connect with your community? So any opportunity to work together on meaningful projects, um, you know, apart from the socializing, which is super important too. I, I'm not saying um, it doesn't have to be a substitute, but as part of the college experience, even if it is not in person, even if it is online, it is possible. It's not going to be the same, but it is definitely possible. And I actually think with every challenge that people have, I think people reinvent and actually perfect and are maybe more thoughtful now in their communications to make it more impactful and meaningful. Yes. So I think you may not have liked them in person, but believe it or not, they may have revamped it so that you actually really enjoy it because they're doing more to engage and connect with the community. So That's right. Be open and look at what opportunities are out there now, because I think people are being really creative and thoughtful 
now. That's a very good point. And it actually fits in with the idea of the, the do's and the don'ts. Um, for example, one thing that has come up again and again, and I'm talking about now the do's and the don'ts of college admissions, the college admissions process. Uh, but in this particular context, um, it's, it, all, it has, a lot of it has always been a bad opportunity. A lot of the admissions um, committees will talk about, you know, how did the student use this, the opportunities given to them? Their, what, you know, what's their context and how did they use the opportunities? Well, now the opportunities are different. Mm -hmm. That's what it boils down to. It's not that there are no opportunities. They are just different. Yes. And so, you know, that flexibility of saying, okay, it's not what it looked like last year. It's not what it looked like for the last five years, but there are opportunities and to connect with people to feel a sense of belonging because that is it's important for all of us right <laughs> oh my gosh i think during the pandemic many of us have experienced this at some point in time when we feel really really low all of a sudden there's somebody else who needs help and you offer a lending hand you offer a call kind words a Zoom call, whatever it may be, but by reaching out to that person in their time of need and seeing how much it helped them reflect back on that, it was such an easy action. And you, as that giving person, got more out of it. The ability to learn that helping others is maybe the secret to living a happier and uh, more productive and meaningful life. Absolutely. We are doing something for somebody else, right? Because just showing up to these things, other people are going to feel less alone too. You know, I've been thinking about lately that I've been encouraging parents and students to do together is, you know, sometimes parents will have one set of thoughts about that college list and students will have a completely different set. So one thing that I'm really ad advising, supporting families in doing is sharing from the heart. Because, you know, teens are feel, feel sometimes that parents, you know, want to impose their views. Parents sometimes feel that, you know, we know, we know better because we've, we've lived and we've been out there. If, if that sharing can really be from the heart of saying, you know, this is what matters to me. What is important to me? Why am I telling you this? You know, from the parent and the student point of view. Why does this matter to me? Right? If we, because I feel like those conversations can be uh, so much better if we understand, number one, the motivation and the thought process. I think because I think we had that conversation recently and it, it was enlightening because I think my son called me out on, on one of my ideas and he was right. And, <laughs> and I looked at him and I actually started laughing afterwards. And I thought, I didn't have a good reason for that, did I? And he said, no, you did not. Same sense, he was able to reflect back on his list and pull something off because it didn't make sense. Right. As we went through that openness, as you said, from the heart and strip away all that, what we think, what we know, and what we want um, and just come out from the heart and say, well, this is why I like this or don't like this, or this is why I think you would thrive or not thrive. 
and there was a trust then. Yes. I'm so glad for you. I'm so glad that you were able to have that conversation like that. With some hindsight, when you've, when you've been there and gone through it, you make mistakes. You, you learn a lot. But I also always ask parents who have, have kids in their 20s, who, who really have, can look back, not just one year, two years, but can look back and say, you know, I remember somebody said to me, do you really want to be arguing about the laundry every single day? Is that what you want to remember your sophomore, junior, and senior year with your son? Every conversation will start with the laundry and the clothes and like pick your battle. So true. So I think when you look at it from that perspective, it kind of frees everything up and it, it also brings you so much closer and your kids can sense that, your kids can feel that, they pre- appreciate that, the shoulders go down, the whole stress in the room goes out, and you have fun with it, because I think part of it is we all make mistakes. And Totally. So. Well, that's why, you know, I feel that the work that you're doing is so important, you know, with College Scoops, because the other bit, the other thing I would say is that once you've had that heart converse, heart-to-heart conversation, then... Um, really do your homework, really research. What are these schools really like? You know, a number on US News and World Report does not say anything about the school. First of all, analyze what that rank actually means. Look at what their metrics are compared to some of the other rankings that are available out there. And second of all, listen to what students are saying. Listen to, you know, their, their, several steps that I have students go through when they're researching these schools, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, what, you, what you're offering families is wonderful because uh, they can actually connect with the student experience. So, um, you know, I, I know that uh, that, is, that is incredibly valuable. Well, thank you. You know, it's one of those things where I know my son said to me recently, there's certain aspects of this environment that would really make me thrive. And I actually have to start looking for more of this on other campuses. And I thought, oh, yes, we, we got there. Fabulous. <laughs> I just walked away and was like, uh-huh. <laughs> because those are those types of revelations that they, you know, that they have, that they can say, you know what, now I have the confidence and they're gonna open up more. I've learned so much about my kids in this process that I know you did too that if we hadn't been that way, that gift wouldn't have happened. That's right. So what do you wish you knew before you attended college? Well, I wish I had been able to work with myself the way I am today. I know that sounds incredibly arrogant, but I wish I'd had somebody like me, you know, to to open up my mind to what's out there, what the possibilities are, and what the goal here is. You know, I had tunnel vision. I was a high achiever, and I was on a treadmill, and, you know, um, I, of course, I enjoyed my college experience, but I think, you know, that, that some of the discoveries I made much later in life, and the detours um, that, I, that I took, now some of the detours were fantastic and very interesting, but I think I could have saved myself a lot of worry if I'd known some of the things you know, that I know now. So I feel that um, being able to, first of all, 
have that empowerment of knowing it's up to me to design my life, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and, and second, that there are many paths, many, many roads lead to Rome. I like so, it. <laughs> so let's find the ones that, um, you know, are really going to be the most enjoyable and uh, are going to really lead us to where we, where we want to end up. There's no comment after that. I just, we're going to leave it like that. <laughs> Angelique, favorite dessert or food place that you would recommend on a college campus? Well, the one that I know the best is Thomas Sweet uh, on the Prince, you know, in Princeton. Uh, we used to go there. It turns out, I, I found out it opened in 1979. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it's been around for a long, long time. Anyway, it's still there. And uh, they do blend-ins with, um, with ice cream, which, you know, at the time, you know, was, was a big thing. Now it's a little bit more you know, common, but still. Uh, I remember when that first came out, because I think they were, it's a chain. Was there, I thought I had one in New Haven. And the same thing, blend-in, and it was, everyone walked in and just thought, oh my gosh, what is that? What are they doing? And now, as you said, it's just... <laughs> another common order. It was so nice to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Maura. It was really a pleasure. Thank you to Anjali for joining us today to share her expertise in growth mindset and talent development. Focus on the three Ds of talent development. Discover, develop, and demonstrate. Learn from your setbacks and move away from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Think about how you will use your gifts to help others and to fix problems. You can find all of our show notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com slash podcast. You can learn more about Anjali on her website at Anja Education Consultants and on Facebook and YouTube. Please take a couple of minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops. Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.